My name is Chris. Um, I'm one of the leaders here at City Hope. And most importantly today, I'm also the, fa- the not the father-in-law, the godfather <laughs> of Daisy. So, uh, yeah, that's good. And I just wanted to welcome families that have come from far and wide, as far as Hull and Southampton, I think. So uh, you're very welcome to be with us, and I hope you enjoy your time with us. Um, I want to start by asking us a question. It's a rhetorical question. If that's spelt wrong, I didn't spell it. Can I just say? <laughs> that, was, that was Dave. <laughs> I'm going to ask you a question, a rhetorical question, and I wonder if you could, in your head, just come up with an answer for me. If you wanted to make yourself a better person, how would you go about doing that? If you wanted to develop your character, how would you do it? If you wanted to add some kind of, what kind of virtue or good quality would you add to yourself at the moment if you wanted to make yourself a better person? Maybe you think, I'd like to become more courageous. I'd like to be a bit braver. I'd like to go for things without worrying so much, much about the consequences. Maybe you feel you're a little bit timid at times and you'd like just to add cor- courage to your life and actually you would become a better person if you were a bit co- more courageous. Maybe you think if you were a bit more charitable and able to give away your money, maybe you feel a bit tight from time to time and you think, if I could just give some more of my money, that would make me a better person. Or maybe you think, if I was a bit wiser... I make lots of mistakes, I make lots of silly decisions. If I could be wiser, that would help me in my life, and so I'd like to do that. Or maybe there are parts of your character already there that you would want to get rid of. Maybe you think, I'd love to be less grumpy in the mornings with the family. You wake up and you're just grumpy, and you're like, if I could just be happy, everyone would be a lot happier. Maybe you think, actually, more, more serious than grumpiness, you get angry and your your emotions get taken over by your anger, and you wish that you could just get rid of this anger, but it swells up within you. You can't do anything about it. Or maybe you're an anxious person, and you think, if I could get rid of that anxiety, that constant threat, that constant worry looming over me like a cloud, then that would put me in a better place. I would become a better person. Of course, there's lots of different answers to that question, uh, I've, got an, I've got another question for you, actually. What makes you think that adding this particular quality or taking away that particular characteristic out of your life, what makes you think that that will make you a better person? What makes you think that being charitable, for example, is a good quality? I've been reading a book um, by a guy called Genghis... No, not by a guy called Genghis Khan, but about a man called Genghis Khan. <laughs> 12th century um, uh, kind of tribal leader from Mongolia. And um, when he was a teenager, he decided he needed to kill his older brother. And he didn't just think it was the right thing to do to kill his brother. He thought that by killing his brother, it made him a more virtuous person. That people would look at him and say, that person is better because he's killed his brother. The reason being, his brother, um, w- his older brother was going to be the tribe leader, but he was, he was stealing food from the family and they were, getting, they were starving. And so he thought, if I kill my brother, that will make me a better person. And we would say, hey, Genghis, 
maybe you don't need to be so dramatic. Maybe you could sort it out with your brother or something like that. But he thought that that was a good thing. So, so where do you get your understanding of what is a good way of living and what's a bad way of living? Where do you get your moral compass from? And of course, every civilization, every group of people have got a, a different answer to that question. But we're in the church today, so guess what we're going to be looking at? The Christian view on it. So, so today I'm going to be talking about a Christian concept called sanctification. Sanctification. Now to be sanctified, or for something to be sanctified, means it is holy. It is perfect. It was, it's without blemish or fault. There's nothing you could add to it to make it better. There's nothing you could take away from it to make it more pure. In fact, if you tried to take an, anything away from something that is holy, something that is sanctified, then you'll make it worse than it is. Sanctification is something that is absolutely perfect, pure and holy. So sanctification is the process of making someone holy. In particular, the sanctification, sanctification is the process whereby God works alongside and with a believer in him, a Christian, to make them more and more like Jesus in the way they think, in the way they act, in the way they talk, in every part of their life. That's what sanctification is, changing you from here and making you holy. So we're going to look at what sanctification means and how we can see that this, this idea, this Christian concept, challenge our lives. Let me just pray and then I'll begin. Lord Jesus, I thank you what you're with us today. Lord, we've heard about a God who is holy, perfect, a good, good, good father today. And uh, we just want to come to you and honour your presence with us and ask you to speak to us through the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So one, one thing that often irks people about Christians is that they, f they perceive Christians to be sanctimonious, a bit holier than thou. Sometimes people look at Christians and, and they get the impression that, that they're being looked down upon. Look at the way I live. I live the right way. I live the perfect way. Look at the way you live. You live in a bad way. And people can feel judged um, by Christians. Another way of describing it is when they think about Christian, Christians, often they'll say, that person, he's, he's so self-righteous. And that's really sad. If people feel, if anyone here has kind of gone through this and you feel like there's a particular Christian who's just judgmental and you feel that they're self-righteous, then I'm really sorry about that. Because, you know, the Christian message is completely different to that. It's, the irony is the Christian ma message, more than any other religion sees self-righteousness as a problem to humanity, not a solution to humanity. You see, in every other religion, it's like if we do certain things, God might be pleased with us. If we go to the right places, if we evangelize to enough people, if we say enough things, or if we get rid of certain behaviors, then maybe the gods will be pleased with us and they'll say, you're okay. That's what most religions say. Even in the secular world, you kind of get this quasi-Buddhism, quasi this kind of um, karma thing. You better do, uh, be alright to other people or else it might happen to you. What goes around comes around. It happens even in the secular kind of world. 
But in Christianity, it's completely different. The gospel says something different. The gospel says we are dead in our sins. We cannot do enough good work to sort ourselves out. We cannot get rid of the problems we have in our life in order for God to be pleased with us. To a Christian, the idea of um, um, self-righteousness is a ridiculous idea. To the gospel, it's foolishness, it's futile. You might as well just give up straight away. Last week, Vic uh, Wilson talked, or sang, about, um, about another Christian term called justification. So justification is a, a legal term that you might hear in a court of law. So to be justified is to be declared right, to be shown innocent. And so a judge will preside over a, a court case and he'll listen to the prosecution and he'll listen to the defence and then he'll make a judgment. Is this person guilty and do they deserve punishment for it? Or were they completely right in the way they behaved? Are they completely innocent of any guilt? That's what justification is. And the problem is, in Christianity, no one is perfect. No one is right. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. None of us can say we're perfect. I bet every single one of us could think of a few things I'd want to add into my life to make myself a better person. A few things that I would get rid of in order to make myself a better person. So for Christians, we know all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but we also know we have a good Father in heaven. We have a holy God. In Him, there is nothing wrong. He is perfect in all of His ways, like we've been singing. He is glorious. He is forever. He has is, he never not existed he is above all things. And, and actually, our definition of right and wrong comes from him. Our understanding of what is good and what is righteous, is, it comes from our understanding of what we know of God. It says in James that every good and perfect thing comes from our Father in heaven. In him, there's no shadow or turning. He is perfect. So the question is, how can an amazingly holy beautifully perfect God mix with deeply, prob- deeply uh, ish- issued uh, cre- people? How can he do that? How can he mix with us, with all our problems? And his answer was to send his son, Jesus Christ. You see, God completely holy, us unholy, he sends Jesus. Jesus is fully God and he's fully man except for he's never done anything wrong. There's nothing you would ever add to the life of Jesus to make him better. You couldn't take away anything from Jesus to make him better. He's perfect. And as we learned last week, to be a Christian simply means this. It means giving up on self-righteousness, trying to do enough to be good enough, trying to get rid of enough rubbish to feel okay about it. Being a Christian means giving up on self-righteousness, and stepping towards Jesus. And the moment we step towards Jesus, it's like he wraps us in his righteousness, his perfection, his goodness. And so when God looks at us, he doesn't see us trying to make ends meet, trying to make it work. He sees us hidden in Christ. He sees us perfect and holy. Isn't that amazing? That's 
That's what justification is, because God looks at you and says, I can't blame you for anything. Not because you've never done anything wrong, but because all I can see is Jesus. He is perfect. And so you are innocent because you are hidden in Christ. That's justification. But it's also sanctification. Because when God looks at you, he doesn't see your sin anymore. He doesn't see the things you've done wrong anymore. He just sees the perfection of Jesus Christ. Your sins have been washed away. The blood of Christ has washed over them. And so when God's looking at you, he sees you as innocent. He sees you as holy. He sees you as perfect. You have been sanctified. The day you gave your life to Jesus, the day you stepped into him, So we could call this, we could give this a fancy name just to help us and because I'm going to talk about another type of sanctification. We could call that positional sanctification. And that means you have been made perfect because you are hidden in Jesus Christ. Not because of what you've done, but because you are hidden in Christ. That's positional sanctification. God sees you as holy. But there's another type of sanctification. And that's not so much to do with your legal standing, but more to do with the state of your heart and the state of your mind. And this you could call um, progressive sanctification. And progressive sanctification is when God takes you, you've you've just given your life to him, but actually you know there's things in your life that aren't right. You know there's things that God's got better for you. And and, uh, uh, And this kind of sanctification takes you from here and, and God works with you and in you to change your heart and your mind. And so everything gets transformed. That's called progressive transformation. Let me, let me show you the difference between the two. Two years ago, my, myself and my family, we moved home. And we didn't move too far, but I remember the day very clearly. We packed all our stuff into a van. We drove off. Um, and, and waited. You know when you're just homeless for that little bit of time when you've moved house and you're kind of waiting for a, a call. So we went to, um, I think we went to Spice Island or something like that, the old Salt Key it's called now, um, and we waited for a phone call to be, to be told that the money had been exchanged and we now owned the house. And we waited and we waited, full of nerves, and then eventually we get a phone call 176 Rotherhive New Road belongs to you. Congratulations. I remember that moment thinking, yes, and we celebrated. We thanked God, and then we moved, and we got, pack- we got unpacking. That's, in one sense, that's pres- positional, okay? That's legal. Something has happened, and now we own that place. But now we have to change our mindset. You see, when I'm just driving around, and I'm not thinking, I just... I I was driving to the old place and a couple of times I just went to my old house because I wasn't thinking about it. I was just like, this is where I go. And so once I got got to the point of getting out of the car, looking at my keys and thinking, I haven't got my fob anymore. This is my old old house. I need to go back to my new house. And so there was this little transition time where it's like my old, I know that I belong here, but my old way of thinking has got to change to meet with that. Do you see what I mean? And actually, progressive sanctification takes us from, uh, we know the truth, but actually takes us away from this into the truth. And it's a renewing of the mind. It's a changing of our mindset. It's a changing of our heart. And that takes time. And God is gracious. He knows that it takes time. He's not expecting you to become a Christian and then suddenly everything changes overnight. None of us 
are the finished article. Until the day we meet Jesus face to face, all of us, God's going to be working in our hearts. And it will start off, and you probably think it's quite obvious, oh, that person's got this wrong and that wrong and that one. But as you get older and mature in the faith, actually what God's going to do is more to do with the state of your heart. It's probably going to be more to do with pride and lack of zeal, lack of patience and anger and things like that. So none of us can get away from this. There's no one here that could say, there's nothing God could do to make me better. There's nothing God could take away to make me better. All of us are on a journey and God is moving us forward in him. I wonder if you remember the day you gave your life to Jesus. I remember, do you remember that day? And, 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 and suddenly you realize your sin is washed away. That you can stand before him, that you can have a relationship with him. What a wonderful day that was. And I wonder if you can see, looking back, how God has moved you from this old way of life into what, where you are now. I wonder if you can see that progressive sanctification unrolling. I hope you can. All of us should be able to see it in some way. Earlier on, I asked you where you get your sense of right and wrong from, where you got your sense of good and bad, what is virtuous and what is sinful. Where do you get that from? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just briefly scan through four different ways. There's more than four, but I'm going to give you four ways. Number one, God has given us all a general sense of right and wrong. Whether you're a Christian or not, God's given you something innate within you that knows the difference between right and wrong. It says in Romans chapter 1 that even creation speaks of his invisible power. And so whether you're a Christian or not, there is a sense of right and wrong, good and bad. Now, as human beings, we can suppress that. We can push that down and say, no, no, I'm not going to listen to that. We can distort it. We can make good seem bad and bad seem good. But there is something within human beings that know the kind of way we need to be going. So it's there in in general. Also, God speaks to us through his word and he changes our hearts through his word. That's what John was talking about a few minutes ago. We're going to look at some scripture in just a moment. And I hope that it will will challenge us, but also demonstrate the power of this, this word. I always find it quite amazing how 2,000 years after this has been brought together, this has got so much power. I've got a problem in my life. I go to it and I find the answers here. It's amazing how well and clearly it speaks to the human condition even today, even 2,000 years later. So we've got the Word of God and God speaks to us and tells us about good and evil, right and wrong through this. Thirdly, through the life of Jesus we learn about good and bad. We, r- we learn about a righteous way of living and an unrighteous way of living. We can look at him and his, just the way he lived his life and say, wow, he's incredible. He's amazing. Let's, let's learn as much as we can from the way he interacted with people, the way he interacted with poor, the poor people, the way he interacted with people that had, uh, were just outcasts of society. What an amazing thing to look at. And also the way he taught us, the things he taught, they will challenge you and make you think about how to live in the right way. And then finally, you have the Holy Spirit who comes and lives inside of us. The disciples were really sad at one point in the Gospels because Jesus was going to go. And he said, you don't have to worry because I'm going to go, but I'll send my Holy Spirit 
And the Holy Spirit isn't just one man. He, he, can, he can come into all of our hearts, all of your hearts. He can be living right inside you. And, and the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, will teach you the ways you should live and remind you of everything that I've taught you. And so to have the Holy Spirit in us is better th- actually than having Jesus next to us. He's working in us constantly to teach us and to take us from our old way of life, our old way of thinking, and develop us and change us into the new way of thinking. I want to um, kind of read just a, a small section of scripture, and I'll make a couple of comments as we go through, but I hope this will demonstrate how God takes us from one place, our old way of life, and takes us to a new place, being holy in God's. It's from Galatians chapter 5, and I'm going to re- be reading from um, chat, uh, verse 16. And as I read this, um, I'm just, just to let you know, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Just because some of the words in, in um, my translation, the international version, were a little bit confusing. So I thought the, the New Living made it a bit easier to understand. And it says this. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. That's your old way of life. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Holy Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposed, opposite to what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under the obligation of the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, that's your old way of living, the results are very clear. (coughs) Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, And other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, anyone who lives that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Just a quick comment on that that list there. It's it's all stuff that is destructive, actually. It's stuff that doesn't bring unity, but division. And actually, that's why it's not good for us as human beings, as people. Not because God doesn't wants to spoil our fun, it's because it, it, it leads to destruction and not um, goodness for people. And then it says in verse 22, but the Holy Spirit produces these kinds of fruit. I wonder, I wonder as you were thinking about what you would add into your life, whether you would add any of these. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's lead in every part of our lives. There's a big challenge there, isn't there? That's going to bring unity. That's going to bring hope. That's going to bring goodness to different people. To, to the whole to whole of us. Let me conclude. Positional sanctification 
is the act where God declares us holy because of what Christ has done. It's not because of our own righteousness, but only because of what Jesus has done. Progressive sanctification is the process in which the Holy Spirit works with and alongside a believer to make them more like Jesus in the way they think, in the way they talk, in the way they act, and in the way they speak. I want to conclude by talking to three different groups. If you would say, I'm a Christian and I'm going on with God. Actually, could I just ask, have we got time? Could I just ask the band to come up? Is that right? That's great. Um, if you think, I'm a Christian and I'd just like to, uh, just like to have more of the Holy, know more of the Holy Spirit's work in my life. I'd love, in a moment, we're going to stand and I'd love just to, to, for you guys to pray. Maybe put your hands in the air. And, um, and just pray for the Holy Spirit to come and fill you again. You know, you need to be careful, or we need to be careful, that we are not self-righteous, looking down at society saying, you shouldn't do that, you shouldn't do that. But at the same time, we do need to be holy, and we are going to have differences of <coughs> opinions of what's right and what's wrong, and we need to be righteous. And actually, the Bible says um, this about that. It says, live such good lives among the Gentiles that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they'll see your good works and give praise to God. And so just live a righteous life. Live a holy life. Don't be condemning to people. Sometimes God will ask you to, to speak into a situation, but make sure you're not doing it out of self-righteousness, but actually that God's called you to do that. If you'd say a Christ, you're a Christian... But your life has never changed as a result of the, the Spirit of God living in you. I'd love you to come and get some prayer for it. If you'd say, I remember a day I gave my life to Jesus. And I was told my sins have been washed away and all that. But actually, so that's positional sanctification. But actually, I've never seen progress in my life in terms of what God's doing. You need the Holy Spirit. It's not, it's not an act of um, kind of self-will to change. It's the, it's the Spirit of God working in you. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And so you need to have the Holy Spirit living in you. If you are a Christian, but you've not ever changed, make sure you come and get prayed for. And then finally, if you're not a Christian, and you've been trying to sort your life out, you've been trying to add things to make it better, or get rid of things to make it better, I just want to say... It, it's futile. You won't be able to do it. You'll, there'll always be something that you're thinking, no, this isn't right. What you need to do is you need to step into Jesus. Let him be your righteousness. Let him be your holiness. And see what he does. He will put his Holy Spirit in you, and it's his Holy Spirit at work with you and in you that will change you. I'm not saying it will happen overnight. It will take years. But it will empower you to do it.